um, yeah, like I planned everything to get home in time, and then um, uh, I got home. I, I walked. I, I would have walked in like a minute earlier, but there's some wet pavement outside my house, so I had to go carve uh, Sarah and my initials in it. Obviously, because I'm 14 <laughs> or or seven. How sweet! Then someday, years from now, you can return to that carved pavement and show your kids where you wrote your initials. I was going in a darker place. I was going to say, and then when I'm divorced, I can go back and feel sorry for myself and cry and drink my bourbon in that spot. Oh, well, that is a dark, that is a darker version. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Let's only tell Sarah about that first scenario. (laughs) Yeah. She doesn't listen to us anyway. She used to, now she's like, oh, how's it going? Good, fine, great. Uh, Yeah, I think Stephanie's kind of that way too. I think for, I don't know, for for Stephanie, my wife, this season has been a little bit, um, I think the nail gun in the head last episode was kind of the last straw for like that was just too much, which I get. Like some people are just can't do the gore like that, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. It's I am felt a little a little bit like, oh man, this is too real. It was pretty visceral. Well, and speaking of which, I think we we probably should go ahead and dive right into it. But before we do, um, a few quick things. First of all, I'm sorry everybody that we are. Uh, oh, I didn't even do Wait, our we intro. Haven't, you haven't officially started it yet. Okay, let's go. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast of the FX show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Houston, what up, what up? Hey, everybody, uh, apologies for the slight delay here. I am indeed battling somewhat of a cold, so it was nice to um, go to sleep early last night, and then I watched the episode today on my lunch break, and now we're talking about it now. So, um, did you actually nice. watch the episode last night, Chris? Live? I did, yes. I mm, did. Okay, so we might have different have seen different versions, so that's something I'm interested we'll we'll start talking about soon. Ooh, okay, cool. Um yeah. before we dive into that, of course, I want to thank everybody, of course, for listening. As always, you can check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash this American Horror Story or email us at this American Horror Story at gmail dot com. We love to hear your thoughts and theories and all that good stuff. And as always, uh, rate us review us on iTunes. We really appreciate that one as well. A couple thoughts from last week and a couple things about kind of uh, the engagement on Facebook and the like. Uh, it has been very much brought to my attention that I totally missed that the gift that Allie gave to Ivy was a vibrator. <laughs> Called it. Yeah, you, 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 you did. <laughs> no, I. so many people came in. I don't know what I was seeing. Um, but it makes obviously much more sense to the story that it was a vibrator. So my bad on that, everybody. <laughs> Um, another, this is just going to be the corrections hour, I guess. Another mistake on our part, we, in talking about Watchmen recently, we talked a lot about, you know, the name Ozymandias and everything like that. Uh, Ozymandias is not the blue character from the Watchmen. That's Dr. Manhattan. Oh, yeah. The smartest man in the world. Ozymandias, or, sorry. Or is Ozymandias the smartest man in the world? It's been so long since I've watched slash read Watchmen. But Ozymandias is the character who, like, orchestrates this whole, like, almost like fake nuclear holocaust, bringing the countries together and stuff. He's kind of like that big bad villain who's the smartest man in the world. But I think so he must be the smartest man in the world. Um, anyway, I, don't, I shouldn't say anything else that is going to be corrected again. But we were wrong on that, too. So apologies. Um... <clears throat> 
I will also say, and we didn't really get this answered for us at all this episode. Well, nah, let's say this for the end. I'm sorry. Never mind. Because that's a good um, topic that, we'll, that we can discuss in kind of the review segment that I think will have um, a place there as well. So, without further ado, I want to go ahead and dive into episode six, Midwest Assassin. But before we do, uh, are you drinking anything this evening? Yep, Fire Rock Pale Ale from Kona Brewing Company. Cheers, what you got? I am drinking a mug of cider, hot cider this time. I did spike it, though, so even with a cold, I'm still, uh, you know, got to have that little kick to keep it going. So cheers. Respect, brother. Now, this episode was written by Todd Kubrak, who I think has written some other... He's been involved, at least, in the story of other American Horror Story episodes, and directed by Bradley Buecher, so we had some veterans here. Um, so, the original episode of this, the unedited episode, portrayed a public shooting, very much in the wake of the tragic events that occurred in Las Vegas two weeks ago, or whenever that was. Um, in lieu of that, Ryan Murphy, before this episode, announced that they were going to be airing a different edited version on TV. Now, from my understanding, it was still a version in which a public shooting took place, but it didn't actually show the events. And from what I understand, the version that played on TV was this edited version, but if you watched it on demand on the FX Now app, or if you watched it um, downloading it off of iTunes later, that it was the unedited version. So that being said, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit, since you watched it live, describe the opening scene that you saw, and we can kind of compare and contrast this a little bit. Right. I saw, what I saw was, um, I mean, you heard gunshots go off. You saw people fleeing and running um, in the opening sequence. Um, But you're mostly focused uh, and staying with Ivy, who's freaking out and kind of cowering down and hovering um, behind, I think it was a fountain. Um, and hearing kind of people running and shots going off around her. I don't really remember seeing, I, mean, I, I feel like I remember seeing people fall, but you don't, I don't, I'm seeing anything very graphic. Um, Did you have, okay. What, oh no, sorry, go ahead. And then, and then it ends with um, following um, the quick response of the uh, police, I'm assuming, um, narrowing in on Allie as the shooter, uh, trying to, what we who we assume is a shooter with a gun um trying to shoot kai yeah what did you get so that seems very much in in the same vein of what i got did you so it started with the eerie flag blowing in the wind and you get the cocked rifle and the gunshot so it sounds like maybe that part was the same and i that was it was kind of the creepy dichotomy of images to see you know the american flag waving on like a sunny day and then hear that gun Mm -hmm. those gunshots go off um you see Harrison tackle Ivy. It does follow Ivy, too, in the version I saw. Did you see the part where Ivy is grasping the man's hand who's been shot, and you see, like, him get shot again and, like, some kind of, like, brain material kind of spray out no, or something? No, I did not see that. No. Okay. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's 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 not like the camera's trained on the guy's head when this happens, but there's a part where this guy jumps up and is running past her and, like, grabs her to kind of bring her with him. And then he gets shot once, and he's kind of writhing on the ground and reaches out to her, and she reaches out to grab his hand, you hear another shot, and you just kind of see, peripherally, peripherally you see his head kind of explode, which uh, is pretty... I don't, think, I don't think I remember seeing that. Okay, so maybe that's kind of the somewhat subtle differences, if anybody's kind of looking for a comparison. <clears throat> what was your reaction upon seeing 
Allie is the shooter and seeing Kai down on the stage. Uh, my initial response was like, Allie, what are you doing? You just martyred Kai. <laughs> Which is exactly, as we find out, <laughs> was the goal the whole time. But yeah, my, that was my initial thought. I was like, all right, she's she's lost it. She's I would assume she's smarter than this to go just kill him. What put her at this place? What sent her down this path? Uh, we know she is a little unhinged, as we know, rightfully so, because she's being messed with. But she's unhinged. But what would put her down this path? Uh, right to end up trying to kill him but we also know that with this show not as all as we as you assume it is on the first take for, for sure i mean it, i i i would say my the trajectory of my thoughts was fairly similar at first when you see gunshots go off and then you see kind of the you know i think you can see the banner that says like anderson for city council or something in the background so you know it's kai's rally immediately and you see ivy kind of cowering my immediate thought was, well, is this something that they were doing intentionally that to like rile people up and rile fear up and everything? And that's kind of what I still was suspiciously thinking, even though it was their own rally, until I saw Allie with the gun. And then I thought, right. well, they wouldn't have gotten Allie in on it, so there must have been you know, something that happened that made kind of Allie finally go down this path. Of course, we learn later that's not entirely the case, and we can start talking about that now. But um, pretty terrifying that i mean and i don't know if it says do you have anything to say in terms about this happening happening to occur you know two weeks from when something horrible like this happened in real life i mean does that say something you know, about the show being relevant in a way or yeah I, it's one of those things where you know a, a fictional show wants to drum up some form of um um not excitement in a positive way, but, um, you know, this, this type of situation that seems alarming and bizarre and how could this happen? And, oh, holy shit, it did happen two weeks ago, um, which shows us, and a lot of people are saying this now, you know, we live in much more of a horror story than we think we do. Uh, you know, we don't need to go to American Horror Story to experience uh, this as a weird sense of violence or release it's happening and it's happened currently and you know there are certain i can't remember all the shows that have done this but you know sometimes there are current events that happen that movies have to get pushed back a couple months because it's too relevant to the the sensitive situation that's just happened or tv shows have to do like american horror story did and and, uh, edit the scenes down so it makes it um you know so they're much more sensitive to what's actually happening in real life it's crazy. It's a we live in a messed up world, man. I think that's true, and I also think it really plays into what they've kind of emphasized this season without the paranormal elements or anything like that. You know, just the fact that sometimes this world can be horror story enough that you don't need all that those extra bells and whistles. And frankly, I mean, it's funny that not to say I haven't liked some of those elements in the past, you know, six seasons, but it's kind of funny that it's taken them this long to really come around to like people are horrifying enough as is. It is. Right. I mean, it is kind of interesting when you think about it. This is the real first season without any any paranormal elements whatsoever. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So far, yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, you know, everything that we thought could be paranormal, you know, we learned from Meadow in this episode that it's all been staged. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Meadow a little bit, and um, Meadow and Alley, I guess, is what we should really mm-hmm. talk about here. Uh. In these, op- we kind of pick up where we left off with Meadow in the window and Allie's reaction to all that. Um, now, following this incident, 
Allie receives a call from Dr. Rudy Vincent. Of course, the big reveal from last episode was that Dr. Rudy uh, is Kai's brother. And Winter's brother. Right. What... I'm wondering, based on this, having seen this episode, we also have the scene later in which, you know, Allie takes Meadow to see Dr. Rudy, and she ends up leaving, apparently leaving. This is according to Dr. Rudy's account, so again, we don't know that this is true, but she decides to leave Dr. Rudy's, but we do know that she's going to be a part of Kai's plan all along. And so, after watching this episode, did you feel, what what was your feeling reflecting on it now uh, as to Dr. Rudy's involvement in all this. Is he really still interested in helping Allie? Is he uh, helping Kai and Winter? Did you get it like... I I mean, I... Yeah, I believe that he's helping Kai and Winter or he's at least um, an accessory to whatever they're doing. I mean, he fed them information on that couple that they locked in the... Um, in the Coffins. Um, coffins, thank you. Uh, so I imagine this is kind of the same situation, especially after Meadow tells us that they've been playing these games uh, with multiple people, not just Allie. Allie's one because of um, Ivy's situation, which was quite revealing. Um, but they've had lots of little projects that they've been doing all over, and Allie's just one of them. So, of course, Rudy Vincent's in on it. And as soon as Allie ran off um, for two hours... Uh, Meadow and Dr. Rudy Vincent probably like, all right, so what's the plan? Like, I, I got to go do this now. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's in on, on it enough. What do you think? I don't know. I wonder if maybe while he's still in on it, if he's not, you know, maybe he's in, in on it on the same level with Winter and Kai. They know about it. I don't know if the rest of the members know that he's, I don't know, for instance, that Ivy knows that he's in on it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like like he's not necessarily a member of the cult, but he definitely helps Ivy. And, I'm sorry, Meadow. God damn it. Kai uh, he definitely helps Winter and Kai uh, when they need help. Right. I think that's a possibility. I do also think it's really interesting how this continued in this episode, and we've seen it for like the past four episodes now. There's these takes um, where you see Kai. I think it, this was one where like Meadow is helping him pick out a tie or something, where it really focuses, the camera focuses on the fact that Kai is popping uh, Adderall, I think it is, or something like mm-hmm. that. And I, I don't. It, it seems like they're paying such particular attention to that. I wonder if it could end up coming out later that you know, Doctor Rudy kind of has a hold over Kai because he controls his medication or something like that. You know, like he's the real. He's the uh, um, um, great Oz. I don't even know if the, maybe not that he's even the puppet master, but maybe, but just more in the line that like he holds more. He holds some kind of. Um, wait and telling them what to do because of this or you know some kind of influence like that he right. wouldn't otherwise have so interesting um ally runs over at this point and you know she sees the detective and harrison kind of going at it and steals the keys and breaks winter out of the garage my thought during which you're gonna say the way, the same it's thing. clear now it's, it's clear now who the who the two clowns are banging in the grocery store right i would say so i would say so <laughs> I'd have to go back and remember which clown mask was were the ones who were having sex, but it's got to be that. Right, because we know Harris, one of them is the one with the brain. Right. Oh, and the other one, um, Harrison's the one with the green hair. Yeah, so Harris, Harrison's green hair, and I think the detective is the one with the brain. So someone someone go back and look at that. Um, green hair's the top, the brain's the bottom. <laughs> I do also think they had to, I mean, they were pretty... Obviously, it was part of their plan all along that Allie was going to come over and break out Meadow at this point, right? So, yep, that was kind of a they were kind of betting on 
her doing that and just leaving Meadow in that chair with a ball gag till whatever happened. Um, which is interesting because I would say at different points in time, Allie has shown utter, like, paralyzing fear, like when Meadow was at the window and asking her for help. But then suddenly she garners some motivation to finally go and do something. And it kind of contradicts the personality we see the rest of the time where she's kind of the fraidy cat. Is this just a character flaw in the writing? that the, or, or do you think that this is actually, you know, was that something that was stimulated by her thinking Ivy was in on it or something? Like she had to go sleuthing. I so I think I, I think she was triggered by so the meta situation was interesting, um, and then that, right after that I remember Rudy Vincent calls her and she's like I don't know who to trust anymore and in her mind the only person who seems to have told her the truth was Meadow so she's like it triggers her to get muster this courage to go figure out what the hell is going on because it is a little contrary to her. Uh, demeanor to be like nervous and scared and afraid which she is most of the time this one she just like she i think she wanted answers and met or yeah meadow had answers mm-hmm. it does i don't think she anticipated it being that you know violent when she got there but right it does seem like you have these instances in which at one point she'll be you know paralyzed but on the other hand she'll get so worked up about something one way or another that it'll mm-hmm. finally influence her to go do something kind of like when she stormed over after the guinea pig was in the microwave to you know go right. punch Harrison in the face I think or something like that right she needs one thing and that'll set her off and then she has this courage exactly or anger really <laughs> so uh, Ali takes Meta to the restaurant and it was about a which why 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 did you take her there that's so I, I was like what are you doing or someone's been murdered yeah it's not exactly like the restaurant is considered a free space that w- I agree that I thought that would I type two why did they go to the restaurant um what I want to know, so this is the point at which Meadow kind of puts her in on kind of what the cult's doing, that Kai's in charge, that, you know, Allie is not the only one who's having these things done to her, that it was a specific a specific process to have Allie and all these other people kind of get their fears played upon, so that way they would kind of fall for Kai or whatever. She also reveals that the protesters were paid, which is something we speculated before. Yeah, we speculated, yeah. I was like, yeah, high five. So two questions I have for you here. First question yeah. is, at this point, did you question at all whether or not Meadow was actually helping Allie? Or did you, did you like, did you believe that she was uh, going to be a benign force at this point moving forward? I, especially in this show, I tend to not try to care either way too much. I leave a little space in between these characters and me, just in my emotions, just because I don't, I never can trust anyone. But, but I did feel like Meadow was being... Um, honest uh, and trying to escape. Right. And it was kind of fun to have her tag, uh, paired up with Allie. I like when you have random pairings of different characters together because it always makes it interesting and fun to see them play it's off each other. It's like the Walking Dead strategy where they finally realize totally. that it's better off having you know pairs of two or three characters interact in interesting combinations than having these giant mm-hmm. group scenes all the time. And in the comedy, I think Modern Family, having random relatives kind of like pair off. It's like fun to see, oh, how your personalities work together. That's interesting. Right, yeah. Uh, like, like, uh, like um uh meadow being like oh can i have a cappuccino <laughs> was really great and like stealing a candle i think from from the restaurant is great well and it, but it was exactly yeah. at that point too where i was thinking well she's acting pretty nonchalant for having just been on yeah. the brink of death at this point and i was exactly. and i was asking myself well is this just her really weird quirky personality or is there more to this than we realize um they would right right if if yeah 
This would be a fun spinoff duo <laughs> for an episode. It would be. It would be. Um, and here's the second question I have for you is, do you believe Meadows saying that this is something that, you know, she talks about how the gas tanks were filled with water. Um, she talks about how they poisoned the birds. She talks about all this stuff. Do you believe that she was telling the truth in all this stuff? Do you believe that there weren't real chemicals involved, that those things in the garage were not actually full of things? And do you believe that they were actually doing this to people all over the city or was Allie a specific target? That's a good question. I kind of hope she was telling the truth about that because it seemed like she part of her shtick was or plan was to come clean on a lot of things. I mean, she was honest about Kai. She was honest about why she uh, kind of turned away from Kai uh, and why she tried to break free, even though we know we see the full picture at the end. So I, I, I want to assume that she did. I'd be a little annoyed if we get the rug pulled uh, out from under us again and find out that that was a lie, too. There's only so many lies that the that the audience can take before it's like, all right, I don't believe shit anymore. Like, I've lost interest in any of these stories. So I, I, want, I, I do believe her, and I want to believe her, because if it turns out it's not true, then I don't know what is true anymore. Do you think she's telling the truth, or do you think uh, she was fabricating for Kai? I hadn't really thought about it until we started talking about it right here. At the time, I took it to That's what be it's best. true. Yeah, at the time, I took it to be true because at the time, I was still in the frame frame of mind of trying to think that Meadow was coming clean about things because she was obviously revealing Kai really was the cult leader and all that. That being said, I still think that there is a possibility for there to be some chemical element because it seems like chemicals are such a <coughs> theme unless they're just supposed to be more allegorical than anything else and not really you know they're more about you know some kind of giant metaphor than they are about actually affecting right. people. well we yeah we have talked about the bath salts the um the alley's medication kai's medication, kai's medication right um pumping whatever possibly it is into the neighborhood so yeah i mean it, it is possible that she's lying right and also but the other thing is for the for their garage ice cream well for their garage just to be full yeah the ice cream thing too for the garage just to be full of empty blue barrels i mean that would obviously be a specific thing just for Allie. Allie, yeah so whether or not they're doing this to everybody it does seem like there is some kind of hyper focus on Allie. and given this could be be because you know ivy wants custody of her kid and kai's trying to help her with that so they i mean maybe that was our solution all along as to why Allie is so special or whatever is because ivy has been in on it and has wanted custody. Um, but I don't know. I'm still not fully bought in this show. I feel like, as we know historically, can turn on you in a second. But And I'm, mm-hmm. I don't put it past them to try to, you know, spin things on us again. But I, right. I hear what you're saying about, like, it gets to a point where it becomes frustrating. Um, in the flashback, I think it was a very good, you know, the, when they're, we're seeing kind of the love story story i guess Allie and ivy's relationship flashback the first one i'm talking about is kai and meadow oh right right and i think that that was a pretty effective um demonstration of kai being charismatic because i think we've been a little bit critical of that in the past few episodes when he was recruiting um ivy right before and beverly and these different ones that were like well we didn't really see him being all that convincing. So how did these people come into him? But you see in this, in his interaction with Meadow, how, you know, she has this void in her life and he's the one who's saying, you know, you're important. You've been the one I've been waiting for you. You know, you're so special, you know, you give this movement meaning and all that kind of stuff. And it gives, it kind of fills that void. And I guess that's an answer potentially to how people who, 
you know, and this is kind of something that Meadow mentions when Ellie's like, no, Ivy could never be in there. She doesn't believe in anything. And Meadow's like, well, that's the perfect time because then he gives him something to believe in, you know. Right. You have to believe in something. Otherwise, there would be no room for him is what I wrote down. Right. Exactly. So I thought that, I thought that was pretty effective in, in do, kind of dry, adding f- more shading to the Kai character even. Right. With someone with a fundamental uh, high school education of psychology, this made sense to me. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like you're an expert. Um, I also did notice at this point, and I wrote it down, that there was a strategic cut at the point where Kai pulls out his knife and then we jump to Meadow's body being thrown in the hole. And I was like, well, but we know she didn't have any injuries. Like, and she didn't have any of those bindings on her anymore. So why did they just throw in a hole? Like, maybe Allie was in too much of a, like, panic to really think that through. But at that point, I was starting to, again, really be suspicious of whether or not Meadow had more what going her motivations were here and yeah why why is she unharmed yet she could have been murdered in this situation right and then when you hear the meadow say we have to kill kai thing to kind of end that segment i was like hmm that's when the flip the switch flipped right yeah well you talk about that yeah for me too that's uh um when yeah uh meadow tries to talk to ali about like you know how do we do this you know how do we make sure something how do we stop him and meadow says there's nothing we can do there's we can't go to the police you can't trust them you said you told me everyone's in on this the only way to stop kai is to kill him right okay so now we kind of there's a lot of interesting timeline things here back and forth um let's stay in the past timeline for a second and talk about the ivy kai relationship and um basically we see them do the pinky thing right we see ivy do the pinky thing with kai i'm so tired of the pinky thing but yes we do see this and he pressures her to say like what the what her like the thing she hates more more than anything else in her life and it is Allie. and we really get some background on you know ali interesting fact that we should now know that ali is for sure Oz's birth mother which is something that i think we had kind of guessed about but we're not 100 percent sure about we were yeah we were wondering about that yeah and also oz breastfed through age three which is quite old to be breastfeeding very game of thrones very game of thrones <laughs> very lysa the airy yeah um now i i thought that this was did you think this was effective in painting the background for why Ivy would join the cult like did it add more to you did I it add thought, more explanation for you it absolutely did um I, you know i so just a few things about you know this whole sequence Allie is an awful fucking human being like she's so obnoxious <laughs> um she i mean and i don't I, I don't mean this in a like if you make these life choices you're a terrible person she's just very um, kind of arrogant about her choices and self-righteous so much so that um, it really um, kind of isolates um, Ivy in her own world so every Allie takes every moment she can to remind Ivy that Allie is the birth mother that Allie needs to do this like oh you know I don't want to put that formula stuff in my baby's body you know we need to do the nipple 
and because the baby likes the nipple better. So let me hand me my baby, and she says my baby, things like that. And it just and I, as any of us would in a relationship, be like incredibly frustrated and pissed off that that was that that was going on by that one person. Um, so I understand the frustration, but these what what I don't buy is going from zero to a hundred. They seem like the type that are incredibly cognizant of mental health issues and relationship issues and would go get therapy or something like that. You know, not be like, oh, I hate her. Now I want her dead and I want to steal my son from her and frame her so I can get full custody. Right. What did you think? I agree with a lot of what you said. I think that this really was some vital background on Ivy that was like, if if anything could have convinced her like like to really paint a picture for us about why she was so frustrated with Allie. You know, voting for Jill Stein just seems like it was the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we were kind of thinking about that. We are like, yeah, that sucks. But, like, not that she sucks for doing it, but, like, that she, like, promised, you know, Ivy that she was going to go into the booth and they were going to do this together and all that. And then she, like, lied to her and all this stuff. But it was... It seems like that was just the final element of some right. animosity that had been building and building and building for quite a long time, stemming in the birth of their son, right. who's now, what, like eight years old? So this has been like eight years of accumulated right. anger. So I've, I think I think one thing I forgot to mention is I think Ivy has endometriosis, so she has like a condition that... So this whole situation of having the baby reminded her of that, too, and like it was just kind of a power play in their relationship. Um, I wish that we had had a few th- of these things dropped in throughout the first couple episodes, and actually maybe we did and I missed it, but I'm generally pretty perceptive of if she said, like if Ali said, Hemi, uh, like my baby or my kid, I'd be like, oh, why'd she say that? That's messed up. As opposed to getting it all condensed into a flashback. Yeah, that's a good point. Like I think there was ways they could have strategically peppered in Ivy being yes. or Allie being more possessive is that the I mean is that the word I'm looking for more like um, this isn't our baby it's my baby of Oz then because she she is obviously very much like it seems like at least from the early episodes we have seen that they were more at a point where Oz was both of their child at this point like that 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 has gotten better since he's not a baby anymore I mean obviously by the right. time the timeline we're in now. Um, Oz even prefers Ivy to Allie uh, because of her reactions to things and stuff like that. Right. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was good necessary backstory, which sometimes there can be too much backstory. We've talked about this before. I thought that, that was – I'm really I'm happy with the use of backstory in this episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the uh, – jump to the debate. Uh, well, so to wrap that whole thing up, so I, I forgot to say the line where Kai says to Ivy, would, would you want my young hot sister or like, would my young hot sister make you happy or whatever? And I was like, what? So uh, is there a relation? I mean, again, we don't know, but like, at least Kai is like insinuating there could be. Right. Right. I don't know. We know that, um, Winter was a diehard, uh, Hillary Clinton. So, <laughs> um, um, supporter, so I don't know. They bond on that front, I, I guess. But that I just thought they that chop was off like, a guy's hand together. Well, they don't chop it off, but they contribute to it. Right? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Sally Keffler now. Lover, Mary Winningham. Good to see you, girl. Uh, good to see. Good to see you. Sad to see you go so quickly. 
Uh, I yeah. really loved. I don't. I really loved this scene, the the debate scene where she stands up out of nowhere, and we kind of got some interesting actual like political theory um, jousting yes. here, where you know, Mayor when or Sally. You know, says Kai's not a conservative, he's a reactionary, and they kind of talk about what it really means to be a conservative and how he's just fear-mongering and all this different stuff. Um, What were your initial thoughts to this character and how it played into I loved her. I thought thought she was great because she was the first person, like, all right, someone's sort of speaking some sort of um, sense to what Kai's peddling. I love when she's like, I think you're a snake oil salesman and not a good one. (laughs) but uh, it was great, and once she started sounding like she's a reasonable person, uh, standing up to Kai, we well, I knew she was probably not long for this world, uh, unfortunately. But um, she had some great lines, like the ones you mentioned, but also, you know, she talks about, you know, the garbage, uh, that, that Trump and Kai aren't garbage, but they're the flies that the garbage uh, has drawn, and it's time to haul away the garbage. Uh, not worry about the flies and I was like oh that's a good little analogy from her political perspective um, about what's kind of the fear mongering that the Trump administration and and its campaign kind of uh, uh, was dinged for by Hillary supporters um, but also you know general people Um, but I liked it 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 was kind of felt like a like a a serendipitous but organic uh, uh, drumming up of support for a for a good rival for Kai what do you think? No, I totally agree. And I, you know, I think it, what's interesting is from how I understand it, like she, I don't know that they ever set a specific party, but it seemed like she was more running from a center, like a center conservative position versus him being That's the far right Republican. Too. And so I think that was an interesting dueling ideology versus having kind of the, you know, progressives in the form of Ali or something joust with Kai in that way. Right. Um, but no, I think she made some really great points. No. Sorry, my dog's barking. That's okay. We love the dogs. Um, I was, I mean, jumping to the scene where Allie goes and visits her and she kind of smokes the joint while saying, like, nothing shocks her and all that. Like, it only made me love the character more. <laughs> what was the line? Nothing shocks me. I went to Berkeley. Um, yeah, that was great. And then, so you right, so quickly they break in and they surround her and Kai dictates that manifesto. Before they on kill Facebook. her on Facebook, and which then, is and the, yeah, and then her suicide note on Facebook, which is, it seems a little dated to me. Like it must be true if it's on Facebook. It was like, eh. yeah, I mean, it sounds very um, re- like leading up to the 2016 election versus you know all these revelations we're having now about all the Russian ads that are out there and everything like that. Now, God, it was it was very heartbreaking to see this character who we didn't get to see hardly anything of but who seemed like a really fun, interesting character who finally seemed like someone we could root for die so quickly. And right. Right. It was a bummer. She she was great. They need to use Mayor Winningham more. I, I like when she pops in for one or two episodes. She was phenomenal in Hotel um, as uh, the Mrs. Shoot, I can't remember her name right Evan now. Peters uh, Maid or whatever. Maid, yeah. Um, but uh, also in that whole sequence, it was a nice little critique of um, liberals, uh, even though she doesn't seem like that much of a liberal, like you said, uh, by Kai calling them like overeducated elites. And um, she says, well, this is just a spasm in democracy. And uh, it was a great like there, there's some good conversations that happen really quickly 
between them all. But it was kind of a bummer to see her go. But I think we needed that probably to happen for the story to progress. Um, in the bigger picture of like what's going on, I think it's incredibly suspicious that all these people are dying around Kai and no one's like, you know, thinking that he might have maybe something to do with it. Right. Um, and uh, let's also talk about in this scene how Ivy comes... Well, so here's the question. Was Ivy hunting for Allie? Was she, like, was she going for the kill there? Was she just going to go see? I mean, she kind of freezes when Allie yeah, calls her by name. that's a good question. I think I think we, we see a weakness in, in Ivy. She is not this horrid human being that's completely converted into this cult. Um, she still has a soft spot because she did love Allie at one point, and she does have a kid with her. And she even said um, she didn't want to kill her because she didn't want to do that to her son. Right, exactly. Um, I think, yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're at with, with that. She has the opportunity to not kill her, but point her out at least, and someone else could kill her. Um, but she doesn't do it. She passes. Because there's still a little bit of us, that, or at least me, that knows that Allie is a somewhat a decent person that's just getting mixed up in her 30s, which is absurd, but I don't know. <laughs> Her heart is in the right place, maybe. I don't know. Kind of. She's just really angry. Really hard to root for, yeah. Um, as is pretty much pretty much everybody, except uh, Sally, who is dearly departed. Now, um, this all leads to the final reveal, which is that you know Meadow's gone. Allie seems to... Whether or not she actually knows Dr. Rudy's in on it, she's really pissed at him that he let her go. And kind of the fact that he's just pressuring her to go into an institution. Right. Um, which is what Ivy wants. Which is what Ivy wants. Which would make it seem like perhaps Dr. Rudy is trying to do that for, you know, do the cult's bidding in that way. There will be, I will say there was one line from Dr. Rudy that I thought didn't fit with Kai's um, philosophy that made me kind of think about it for a second. When uh, Ali first brings Meadow to Dr. Rudy, he says, don't let the fear win. Uh, and I was thinking about it, like his job is to fight the fear. Kai's job is to right. stoke the fear. So in that way, they're a little bit of a yin and a yang. And I wonder if that will take form at all. Um, it seems like maybe in next episode we'll talk about that during the preview. There's more, maybe. There's big questions around that relationship and who's how how much like you've been asking how much Rudy Vincent's involved with Kai. I mean, he's involved in someone because he feeds him information about that one couple, which seems weird and he is obviously somehow stoking the flames for i ali remember he like she's like oh the, that that brain coral thing like that freaks me out and he of course if he like a, a normal psychologist psychiatrist would not have that out there when that patient came by but right he's still i don't know he's 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 a confusing character so far still that's because we don't have answers yet exactly he is a confusing character and maybe there'll be some interesting family backstory on the kai winter Dr. Rudy dynamic. The Andersons. The, the Andersons get tickets to the game? <laughs> Anyone get that joke? You you, you uh, Facebook me directly. That's a good joke. The Andersons? How the Andersons get tickets? Oh, that commercial's so obnoxious. Mm-hmm. It's on every break, too. <laughs> uh, the final scene in which Meadow is the perpetrator. By this point, I don't know. I mean, so, you know... We have the scene, you know, Dr. Rudy's, uh, 
version of things where Kai calls her, which is assuming to be the signal that sends her to the place or the rally where Allie ultimately finds her and she just starts doing the shooting. One thing I will say, Meadow is a eagle eye shot. She is like, well, well, I'm curious to see, was this something that was edited in the actual TV version too? Like she shoots, the first person she shoots in my version was the person directly in front of her before she shoots Kai. Did you? Yep. Okay. Correct. So maybe this version wasn't as as changed, and then she shoots Kai kind of in the stomachish hip area. The leg. It looked like the leg to me. Oh, was the leg okay? I mean, but even then, she had to like have pretty good uh, marksmanship. She has good aim. Yeah. And, well, because she's just standing there with a handgun, like popping people from fifty yeah. yards. But remember, they have a lot of guns. They do have a lot of guns. That's true. So she actually might have been a good person to give this job to. And then we see the flashback in which Kai like. They have they kind of make a suicide mind plan mid sex or whatever. That was yeah. kind of, that was kind of fucked up. Yeah, I mean he knows how to play these people who are like he knows what their weaknesses, what they want, and he's giving it to them. She wanted love, and he gave her love in his D, uh, and said, "This is what I need you to do because you're so special, and that's what they want to feel." Undying love. Well, her in her case, dying. <laughs> Eternal love, I guess, is what he said it was. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, the final... I mean, she becomes kind of a martyr for the cause, I guess, which fits in with a lot of different cults. And then you have kind of the saying, or what was the final thing he said? I think it was something along the lines of, the truth will hide in plain sight. No one will believe what a crazy woman says. And so now we have Allie in this position where it seems like there would have been cameras on it, but if, you know, Beverly's controlling the cameras... She could have diverted them, um, but it, it seemed to me. Do you? Th- here's my other question for you: Was the rest of the cult in on what Meadow was going to do? Because in the opening scene, That's like Ivy and Harrison seem not to be. I agree. So I don't think they did. I think this was Kai's plan with Meadow behind closed doors, and that's why he asked Harrison. Right, because Harrison thought that Meadow, like he was done with her, he dumped her in that grave. Right. That's true. So Kai's going to have to explain some stuff, I'm assuming. Well, I mean, he this was part of it. You know, he validated Meadow's point that, like, you know, city council, and this is something we've said, like, city council seat is, like, not that big of a deal, but something huge like this shooting puts him on much a much bigger stage. Um, we're, right. We were kind of wondering, like, well, what is this show going to jump? Like, you, you know, we were talking about, is this show going to jump however many years to the future to show him now running him for is. president or something? But this is a way to accelerate yep. that conversation very quickly. So it was a right. I mean, it was, I loved all the jokes about planning and zoning commission, how you can't get shit done there. That's so funny. <laughs> Meadow was great. I'm going to miss her. It sounded like a little bit of Parks and Rec or something in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a, it's a bummer to lose Meadow. It was a bummer to lose Mary Winningham this episode. Um, but no, I think it was a really effective narrative device. Um, going into, I guess, the next episode before we talk about the preview while you know getting to the review of this a couple questions for you is everyone going to believe that ali is the killer going forward what do you think i i think it'll be clear because there's no way that um you know all the witnesses there are gonna be like oh yeah it was ali you know i and there's gotta be cameras or whatever she'll i think she'll be she won't get i mean she might get arrested but she's not gonna i don't think she's gonna go down for this Mm -hmm. it's too obvious and like the one like um metal committed suicide so yeah the other thought I had, too, about, you know, in the discussion as to why Allie is so potentially important, if she is important at all, not only for the custody thing, but because of all her fears, it seems like she was a vulnerable enough person that they could kind Turner. of, well, 
maybe not turn her into actually being in the cult, but they could like manipulate her in such a way that she could be, you know, the like like Kai says, the crazy woman in plain sight, where who's like hiding the truth or whatever, you know. So she right, was manipulating. Right. She's like the messenger in a way. I do see this cult uh, at the end of the season falling apart, um, and I think you know the women are going to have a big deal to do with that because there's a lot of talk about the patriarchy, and and this is another form of that, even though it's a cult. Um, and it would be interesting to see Allie weirdly like rise up in some form. I mean, assuming she somehow gets out of this whole shooting situation, which then again, you know, she pretty easily got out of shooting Pedro. So who who the hell knows? Right. Exactly. Now, um, this is something interesting that was brought up uh, a lot, I would say, in the commentary on social media and through emails between last episode and this episode. Was a lot of people were of the opinion, you know, we were very irritated, I feel like, or at least I was, that Kai kind of had that crying breakdown at the end when he tells Beverly what his real fear is. Because I felt like that was like too much behind the mask, what his motivations were, not being like a pure evil kind of character. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of theories coming through on our channels that were basically saying, you know, what if Kai was just fucking with ba- Beverly too? What if she was just another victim and he's just that manipulative that he was, that's like that, what she wanted to see in him was that kind of vulnerability so she could right. kind of take a stronger position. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a possibility? Oh yeah, I think he's playing every character, every individual in the cult, uh, the, the 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 perfect way for to make sure that they stay connected with him and uh, support him and and do his bidding. Yeah, I, I think he, you know, I think Beverly seems like she stands to be the strongest person out of all of them, and might have her own plan. <laughs> I could see that, but as of right now, he's you know, especially when we see Meadow overhearing. Um, Kai talked to uh, Ivy saying she's special and we saw Beverly get recruited and what Kai said to you, everything he says is catering or pandering to them to make sure that they join and, they, sure. and they participate fully. Right. Well, and you know, this isn't like, you know, Kai wouldn't have expected Beverly to ask these tough questions. You know, Meadow makes the point so clearly that like Kai picks these people very specifically. Right. Um, he doesn't make these decisions on a whim. He find he's found these people and has highlighted why they're vulnerable. And so he might have known far in advance why it was, like what the right thing to say to Beverly was in that, in that particular situation. Right. Now, kind of a broader season question um, that I wanted to ask. This was from Trey from Pittsburgh on uh, email, I think. He, was, he said that one of the favorite things um, for American Horror Story for him is how the different seasons all have tie-ins to one another. Um, so oh, far boy, in this cult, question. Yeah, so far in Cult, the most obvious being Twisty. Uh, he was wondering what we, excuse me, what we thought, you know, of connections to past seasons that could be possible in Colt, or even ones that you just think would be cool or fun to see to pop up this year. Can you think of any other, I don't know, connections? I haven't really noticed anything yet, with the exception of as soon as we went to Sally's house for the first time, I was curious if that was the murder house. Oh, I don't. But we're not in L.A. <laughs> no, we're not in L.A. We're in Bumble. We're, we're in the Midwest, Michigan, 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 Michigan. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really thought about it too much. Um, usually, I wait till toward the end of the season to kind of have a fuller picture. I think we might see some connections in the upcoming episodes with all these flashback characters or cults, the cult leaders that we're going to be seeing. Evan Peters play a lot of them, and Lena Dunham play one, and 
Uh, so I think I, I don't really have an idea just yet. Do you? No. Well, in terms of like actual ones, what I have with certainty, I'm trying to remember into the past in which eras would have. I mean, we haven't actually seen any cult figures before. I don't think. Um, I mean, the other issue is if we do bring in those things, then then we are somehow incorporating the supernatural element because every other season had that and we don't have that in this so that would break that rule that they said there would be no supernatural well that you cl- sure but that said it like still it's, clear, guess, it's yeah. clearly the same universe still right right that's this is true and so you know one of the obvious ones i could see is there being some you know psychologist tie between maybe not in such a brutal way but dr rudy vincent drawing some inspiration from dr threadson or something would be right one that would come to mind or Lana Winters comes in and interviews um, Kai on his rise to to Congress member. Oh, that's true because we've got some different. Uh, I mean, this isn't the first time we've had you know news media Lana play show up as a role. News. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or have some dynamic between her and Beverly would be possible. Mm, that'd that be was, cool. Yeah, though that was just as recently as I guess last season. <laughs> um, in terms of Roanoke, the most recent season, every like pretty much everybody. Mm. I always forget about died. I mean, I guess in that in that case, that was kind of like reality TV, and you know, we talked about today's politics about being like reality TV politics, and so maybe there's some way that like a, I mean, I think the producer who was Cheyenne Jackson got killed in that, but maybe someone is hired on to do some kind of, you know, publicity stuff that makes it more. Re- I don't know. These are just theories to throw out for p- potential connections. But you know, it's not as obvious as it is with past seasons because you don't have that supernatural tie-in. So I think that's a good point. Uh, but speaking of, okay, so well, be- before we go into the preview for next episode, let's go ahead and say, what do you give this episode? I give it a solid four. I gave it a four last night. I was curious if I slept on it, how I'd wake up. I liked this episode, so I, I give it a solid four. Um, Rosés. What about you? I give it four. I give it four rosés as well. I felt like that. Nice. You know, I thought I really liked the. I mean, as horrible as it was, like the narrative device of the shooting, I think was effective in terms of propelling Kai's story forward and the cult forward. Um, even though we kind of saw the meadow twist coming, I think there was still some nuance to it that was good. I really liked the backstory we got on her and on Ivy. I feel like filled in some holes. Um, and you know, some of the elements with Allie and you know having Mary Winningham there briefly and everything too I thought it was a I thought it was a strong episode I was a fan me too uh so that's eight that's a pretty good score I'm not I don't think it was the best we've given so far this season I think we've given like a 8.5 maybe but I, that's still pretty good for us yeah it's good solid episode so let's talk which about- is funny because this is generally where it starts falling off in seasons right in the middle but normally that's because i feel like they only write the first like three episodes and then they kind of try to wing it from there and it sounds like they've done more extensive writing which could account for uh the middle not uh sagging quite as much much more coherent story right which makes you also hope they've got a pretty coherent ending right um did you watch the preview for next episode i did it was really quick and it was hard to understand because it looks like we're getting a lot of uh new characters one of our favorites did you see i did see Who'd you see? Oh, Francis Conroy's back. Finally. Yeah. Episode 7. It took half the She's season great. to get there. And it seems like maybe, I am i don't know, I'm guessing she probably won't be, it might just be a one or two episode run. It, probably. Because it looks like, well, okay. So did you see what the name of the episode was? 
I didn't know. What is it? Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I got to see this because I watched it on demand. So there was like, you know, it said what the preview name or the name is. The episode is titled Valerie Solaris Dies for Your Sins. Um, oh. are, are you familiar with Valerie Solaris? Um, she tried to kill someone important. Who is that? Andy Warhol. That's right. In the late oh. 60s. Um, she attempted to murder him and was best known for writing the scum manifesto um yep and she was uh she died in 19 like she basically was declared a paranoid schizophrenic and then died in 1988 um so she wouldn't be alive now but i'm wondering if perhaps they're having francis conroy play her in a kind of narrative timeline where she still lives that's what i was thinking too because i it seemed like it could work but yeah i'm not sure yeah so that's interesting um but it, of course whoever francis conroy plays will be fun and it, i'm kind of curious to see how we're going to start i'm assuming we're at the point now where we're going to start reaching back to these cults from before and start uh i guess seeing portions of it or having flashbacks or something you kind of got that today when um i don't remember who was it uh i don't remember which character it was was talking about you know jim james and uh Charles Manson, maybe it was Allie or something like that, or Meadow, one of them. Um, it also seems like we perhaps have some Beverly versus Kai tension. Like you were talking about kind of the the top on the patriarchy. Maybe Beverly's pissed that she's kind of has to play second fiddle to Kai here, and we, we see some dynamics within the cult. In which case, I could see a version of this in which Kai ends up killing Beverly. Mm. Yeah, I could see that too. We'll be curious. He's to gonna see. need to recruit some more people because he's losing people because he's either having he's either killing them or having them kill themselves. That's true. Yeah, he needs. I bet you I could definitely also see there being a jump in the story in which all of a sudden he has a lot more people recruited to the cult after this shooting. Like, because I can't imagine they're gonna pick up immediately after. I w- I wonder. Um, it seems like maybe it could be effective for them to jump forward six months or something like that to kind of see where things right. stand. And they're living in Mexico. Uh, it was, I think, it was Sally who's talking about the patriarchy and um, Jim Jones and uh, Manson in the sixties, as uh, because he came up during the um, women's liberal er- lib era and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, David so Koresh. Think, mm-hmm. So there's some really interesting, fun ways to go with that. So I got to tell you, I'm still, I'm still on board with the season. It's been fun. Yeah, I am too. I'm surprised because the way I was like, I don't know, but man i'm still in awesome yeah well again thank you guys for uh bearing with us on the slight delay and for listening through my uh muddled nasal voice today um of course as always you can engage with us on facebook at facebook.com slash this american horror story and you can shoot us emails at this american horror story at gmail.com uh until next week chris where can people catch you twitter and instagram at chris Houston. chris with a k what about you tyler you can catch me on the Twitters at TJMoss11. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and um, until next week, happy hauntings.